0: So as I close my eyes in this moment, I wonder what is possible through the power of prayer that is not possible any other way. What does the words of Gandhi mean? Prayer from the heart can achieve what nothing else in the world can, as applied to me personally, to you personally, in your own lives. What is seeking to be achieved by means of prayer for you today in this holy instant. So we're just beginning that shift where we move out of our constant thinking tendencies, looping in thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. And we begin in this instant of prayer to relax. And it is a movement into a deeper intelligence within us. It's a movement, it can be referred to as a shift we're willing to make from head to heart. And I invite you to be curious about that shift now. What is that shift from thinking and feeling considering all the past and the future and the right and the wrong and the should and the shouldn't to simply resting in love. To have faith in a presence of love out of which you are born. So we begin now to just see if we can gently coax our curiosity that we might be more curious about the love that is, the wholeness that, that is, the sublime perfection that is, and have curiosity in this in a way that overrides our opinion. Our opinion, well, this is lacking, that is lacking. I know I'd be happier if I had this, I know I'd be less burdened if I had that, or I know I'd be happier if I didn't have this. I know I'd be happier if I wasn't burdened by that. So might we be like children and enter into the kingdom of the eternal now and be deeply curious in love and open to the effects that this curiosity has on our lives. It is from this space of shifting our attention, shifting your attention from fear to faith, from a problem orientation to a mystery orientation. This is the space in which we meet. And this is a space in which healing occurs. And so it is, I bless this episode of prayer on the air. That means I bless you. And as we enter into the state of prayer together, that blessing flows to those you love. And in my blessing, you, I'm blessing myself and those I love. So we allow the ripple effects of prayer to bless and bless and bless. In this awareness, I accept that which is to be said is said. What is to be heard is heard. And what is to be released is released. And that which is to be welcomed and embraced is welcomed and embraced. Amen, amen,
1: amen.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome! I am grateful we're here. You know, it's interesting those that the last four lines of the uh, of the prayer that I say every episode, which is what is to be said is said, what is to be heard is heard, what is to be released is released, and what is to be embraced is embraced. And in this particular prayer this morning, my attention fell uh, on those words especially what is to be embraced is embraced and what is to be embraced what is to be embraced by you and me i think when i first had those words fall on my heart you know i thought whatever is to be embraced would be like deeply welcomed by me like when i hug someone like i'm i'm wanting to hug them i'm I'm a full-end yes, and yet as we heal from a sense of division from our well-being, as we heal from a sense of separation from our own happiness, we're often invited to embrace what we don't want to embrace, what we're resisting, what we're avoiding. So to embrace grief, perhaps to embrace a sense of loss, to embrace, you know, even to embrace uh, fear, you know, to bring the fear, the doubt, the worry into the loving. And I used to think that, well, if I embrace fear, doubt, worry, grief, loss, isn't that everything I'm trying to get away from, (laughs) right? If I do that, won't I get more of that? Won't I have more fear, more loss, more grief, more of what I don't want? And this is the amazing paradox of spiritual reality of truth, which is, Our true nature, your true nature, my true nature is love. I don't take myself to be love 24 hours, 7 days a week. Maybe you don't either. But my actual true nature is love. That's our true nature. We could say light. I am, you are, we are in reality an inextinguishable, light and that light is completely inclusive and non-resistant resistance so when I welcome my grief into the light of my own being I welcome my uh, hurt into the light of my own nature my disappointment my sense of loss then alchemy can happen that loss and grief gets processed. You know, and and, and it's like when I say processed, it gets transformed. I could even say it gets healed. We think the problem is the grief, the loss, the disappointment, the worry, the dread, the fear. But the pain we experience is less those whatever I want to call them, you know, those experiences. And our real pain is our resistance to them. I've had on occasion, I wonder if you have too, I've experienced, you know, sadness and grief and a sense of loss in a completely non-resistant way. And it's so beautiful. You know, I don't know why I resist it still at times, right? Well, I do know why I resist my grief, my sense of loss, disappointment still. It's because I'm believing what my mind is telling me about them, right? I'm believing, no, don't go there. And yet the love that you are, the light that you are, that I am, is completely welcoming So, so it's, it's relaxing with whatever is to embrace that which is to be embraced. And when I embrace that which is to be embraced, one of the things I experience right off the bat for me is I start to feel much more adult. I feel, I want to call it like an emotional sobriety. I think when I'm resisting an emotion I'm probably you know in some trauma response with some younger part of myself and that emotional sobriety that kind of adulthood when I say adulthood maybe I'm talking about spiritual adulthood you know we can be somebody who owns a house pays our bills drive a car you know, has all the right insurance and everything else, all those things we think of our adulting, but not have the kind of adulthood I'm talking about right now, you know, where we accept life on life's terms with non-resistance. And when we do that, all these capacities reveal themselves within us. We're so much, we have so much more capacity to actually love what is. Not perhaps in who we take ourselves to be, but in who we truly are, what we truly are. I mentioned in the episode last week, a book I'm reading right now by Rupert Spira, uh, The Heart of Prayer. It's getting stained, my cover, my tea. (laughs) I I read these books, drinking tea and eating chocolate. (laughs) And like I look down, chocolate's on the book. you know. So I don't know how sober I am in truth. But I did want to read this uh, little passage that I just read this morning. It's on page 91 of this book. And it, it, uh, it begins with a, a, Ru, a Rumi quote, a quote from Rumi. Rumi said, be like melting snow. Wash yourself of Yourself. This self emptying, self forgetting, is the highest form of devotion. It is the practice of the presence of God. It is the place at which our longing for happiness turns into our love of simply being, our love of God. If there is the slightest feeling of boredom, irritation, or lack in meditation or prayer, it is because we have left the eternal now and followed thought into past or future. Therein lies our sorrow. We think our sorrow exists in the now and that we escape it. We escape from it into past and future, but the opposite is true. Our sorrow exists only in reference to the past and future. It cannot stand in the now. Make the now your refuge. It is the place of peace. So what are we doing when we pray for one another as we begin to take prayer requests? from one another, and I invite you to raise your hand and, 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 and write in your prayer request. But what are we doing? What we are doing ultimately in consciousness is we're standing in the eternal now for one another. In the eternal now, only love is, and no matter what the appearance, no matter what the condition or situation in the here and in the now all is well it's only as Rupert Spira says in our imagined past and future that we conjure up all this resistance and fear and this is an extraordinary gift of prayer I can stand in the eternal now for you in the actual heartfelt Witnessing that all as well, you know, you might be able to stand in it for me. You might be able to stand in it for another. As we do this for one another, we grow more capable of maintaining that prayerful consciousness in relationship for ourselves. Now, you could say, "Well, shouldn't we all just do this for ourselves?" There's, there's that. That's a fair question and maybe yes and yet because I'm emotionally invested in my story in my own suffering in my own confusion about past and future and you're not because you're not living my life apparently I'm not living your life apparently it's easier for me to jump to center to see the truth of the light where you are because I'm not buying in to your story that you're separate from your good. You're separate from what you need. So this is what I love so deeply about prayer. Now if you can do this for me and I can do this for you what is the ripple effects of that? What does that do for us ultimately? It actually calls us home. Like once you're knowing all is well for me it starts to wake me up, like, because on some real level we really are one. We all share the self, right? You have a name, I have a name. You answer to your name, I answer to my name. But we all call ourselves I, right? I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm happy, I'm sad. I feel good, I feel bad, I'm worried about this, I'm thrilled about that. And, and before we get to the v- verb, that just I, we all share that, I. We all share the I. On some level, as the mystics and saints say, there's not a bunch of us. There's only one of us. So if the part of me that answers to your name knows the truth about me, a part of me gets to wake up to the all as well and vice versa. You know, I am so in love with the practice of prayer because of this. I've often said, you know, I can't do yoga for you. I can't get down on the mat and do that downward dog for you. I can't meditate for you. You might benefit from my yoga or my meditation if I'm doing it. Like maybe I'm a clearer kinder presence. But I can't do it for you. But I can pray for you. I just love that. I can be aware of who and what you are for you. And for the part of me that is you. Or for, and even when I say for the part of me that is you, that's inaccurate, you know, all of our language, you know, we make concessions when we try to speak of spiritual truths using language because words are just pointing to these truths that are ultimately paradoxical and thus rather impossible to fully describe and yet we can point. So we're going to begin to take requests in in a moment, but just I want us all, uh, each of you listening to this podcast via a streaming service, each of you who is here Live. I mean I just want us to sit with I have the power to be aware of the eternal well-being the eternal wholeness the eternal perfection the eternal completeness on behalf of another person and I can do that even When I fail to experience that for my, you know, apparent self, my life circumstances. So to pray for another is as healing as to be prayed for. So let us begin with prayer requests and uh, questions. Let's start with Hans. Good. Hello.
2: Hello. Thank you.
0: Hi, darling. What time is it there? You're in Spain?
2: Yeah, 622 p.m.
0: Ah, ah. What time do you eat dinner?
2: Uh, At eight.
0: Eight, that's
2: nice. Uh, well, usually uh, around that time. Ah. Uh, the Spanish, my, my Spanish friends usually eat later. They, the Spanish uh, traditions is to, to eat like at nine or 10 o'clock at nine.
0: That's so beautiful. I, I, I eat yeah. so early, but I, I like that idea of dining late. It seems a bit more festive.
2: So. Yes, I know. It's more festive some days, but every day it's not good for digestion. Yeah. so yeah. the earlier you eat before you go to bed the better it is
0: I, yeah. I find that for myself so yeah
2: yeah. Ah. yeah you you really spoke to me today with the introduction because um, I'm reading a book which is and the author kind of talking about the path from the head to the heart mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of sense to me and what I and it just would say it's a prayer which asks my head, my mind, my brain, physically speaking, to relax and get out of the driver's seat and let the heart drive. Um, so I think when we are born, we are all driving with the heart, and then our education pushes up us into the mind, and it's the mind which is so. And I like like the word you used today, embracing, because the mind skips two two letters. It's bracing, brace for the anger, brace for the um, fear, brace for anything negative. Don't feel that way. It's all the rules are bracings in a way. And the only part which is capable of embracing is the heart, and uh, your mind even has created the idea of a heartbreak and i love that in that uh, book where it says i can't break so when the heart is talking to the mind it says don't worry about me i don't break don't stop trying to protect me i'm so much stronger than you think uh, give it to me all those emotions all the anger all the fear all the Suffering, I deal with it, but let me deal with it. Don't interfere. And this is kind of what I would love in a prayer like this kind of addressing the mind to step back, relax, stop to worry, let the heart do its thing to to shower with love everything what happens in life and transform it like this rather than managing it like the mind would do. i I'm, I'm hope I'm clear.
0: Yes, beautiful. So, you're beautifully clear, and I really love what you say about, like, the mind braces and the heart embraces. So, you know, the first thing I want to draw our attention to, and this happens over and over and over in our language, and thus, because we tend to interpret life through thought, we create a life that reflects what the finite mind thinks Mm. is possible, rather than what's really possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking of you in Spain, 620, about to have this dinner at eight. And I'm just, you know, for me, I don't know, I imagine it festive, right. And then we talk about festive versus digestive, right. (laughs) And there appears to be apparent duality, you know, why, you know, you know, and I, I said, Well, why do I eat so early? You know, it's, good for my digestion. And right there, you know, we buy into the either or, you know, it's festive or digestive, you know, you can have a good time and, you know, pay for it the next day, or you can, you know, be more disciplined, maybe more rigid, more careful, more controlled and maybe it won't be as fun you know and (laughs) that is mind-made and then we participate together in this mind-made reality like I know exactly what you're talking about Hans you know exactly what I'm talking about and we believe then in that finite space when we pray and I know this isn't your prayer request I'm gonna get to it but but in god in reality with a capital r all things are possible there is an and and both there there's not a trade off the way we experience the trade off so what the heart can open to is fabulous digestion and fabulous festivity like both exist in reality Mm -hmm. so maybe one brings more joy to an earlier meal and festivity or maybe when one eats late I don't know what would manifest that I chew more thoroughly I eat lighter I drink slower you know In God, there's a way God makes a way out of no way. So just even in that friendly conversation we had in that, just talking about time zones and meals, there's an opportunity to open to a unified field. Now, how is that going to look for me, for you? Maybe different, maybe, maybe for one person, They eat early almost all the time and bring festivity to it. Maybe for someone they eat later and, you know, there's another way to bring greater digestion. I don't know how it looks for each person, but that is the beauty of prayer. You know, Emily Dickinson, the poet in one of her poems says, dwell in possibility. And when we're living from the heart, We're living from that all possibility. And yet in that there's pure acceptance. Maybe I'm someone because of my own constitution that needs to eat early all the time. And if that's the case, I can have festivity early. You know, maybe someone else because of circumstances of their life need to eat later. It it doesn't mean we don't Honor the constitution of our body temple but we're not pushing against it we're not like oh you know I can't eat late and have good digestion I'm getting left out now I have FOMO I I miss I I have the fear of missing out you know when we live as we're uh, contemplating today you know or for you this evening as we're contemplating the eternal now and we love what is we don't put our good outside of ourself in a condition I don't get to experience in in something else. So you know, I i I'm I'm I'm, I'm right now torn between two roads I see to go down in this right here right now but I think I'll let I'll just let that be for now I'll just let that be for now in what I said just just notice all the ways we divide what is possible into binary choices just notice but we don't want to push against that <clears throat> so to your question You know i i I love your question and your prayer request which i hear it as both a question and a prayer request and so the finite mind is it real is there a real mind that battles with the real heart know I just want us to wonder about that you know and and really look for the you know is the finite mind anywhere you know or is it simply an assumption what I'm getting to, and maybe not doing it as articulately as I'd like, it's, it's difficult for me to express, but I'll just jump to the main point here and maybe reverse engineer some of my comments for you, Hans. But the finite mind, who and what you take yourself to be, trying to protect yourself, me trying to protect myself and such, it's just a conglomeration of thoughts that I've identified with and has it has the finite mind ever been in charge You you talk about wanting the finite mind to get out of the driver's seat you know has the finite mind really really ever been in the driver's seat I understand you've suffered as if that's true I too have suffered as if the fear-based thinking that I would attach to and say, that's me, that's me, that's my story, right? I've imagined it in the driver's seat. But has it ever been in the driver's seat? Really? That's where I would like you to contemplate. What if all along Love has been driving Hans, love has been leading. And what if this is much more an acceptance of this spiritual truth, that the mind was never really in charge as we believed it to be? And what if this passage in your evolution, in your awakening, in your unfolding, is just simply realizing what you thought was in charge never was. That you've been held, you've been guided, you've been graced, you've been blessed. Your whole journey, you always have been, you are right now, and you always will be. that there's no competition between the head and the heart as it it feels like it is, as we assume it is. What if there's never been a competition there or even a battle? What if the heart has won and and is just patiently, infinitely patiently waiting for the mind To rest in the heart, finally, just like a child, we finally soothe. <sighs> and that—that's what I would have you contemplate, wonder about, chew What if God or love has been in charge all along? And what if you could admit this to yourself? You know, I'm thinking of Eckhart Tolle's awakening when he described it uh, as I recall. He said, you know, he was suicidally depressed and it was one evening he kind of heard very distinctly a thought he was having. And it you know, a lot of times we have thoughts, oh my God, they're racing through, they're all so unconscious, right? But every so often, we're very present to a thought. And he had this moment of deep presence to this thought. And his the thought was, I do not know if I could live with, I do not know if I can live with myself. It's just too painful to live with myself. And something about that statement as it caught his attention, it led him to ask Is there two of me? Is there I, the one who can't bear the I I've got to live with? Similar to your question, Hans, you know, is there a battle between two? whether we call it the head and the heart or whether we call it, you know, the flesh and the spirit, you know, whether we call it, you know, like, oh, you know, we could call it different things, but something about his searching for the I that he can't live with and the I It can't live with that one, he woke up. There, there, There aren't two. There's only one. And of course, his awakening was very spontaneous. And I mean, he went through quite a bit after his awakening, but he was in the peace of the one. And all of us are in that peace. We just don't know it. We just don't admit it. We don't see it. And so I love, even though Eckhart Tolle is quite intellectually, I think brilliant as well as awake spiritually, that inquiry, is there two or one, is not an intellectual inquiry. The mind never, resolves that for us. It's a, it's a real looking. He looked for the two, and in looking for two, he found one. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, all of our suffering is scene-painting and counterfeit scene painting and counterfeit. It's our imagining past and future in such a way that, you know, to one degree or another we we react, we freak out, and we we contract. So only one only one, only one. And of course, if I drop into that, it means I'm willing to let go of my story. And again, that's what we really are always letting go of every time we pray, is some degree of our story. You know, I worked hard to construct this identity separate and apart from God. And I used my best thinking to get here. And I arrogantly, you know, mistakenly believe at times, it's because of the identity that in my imagination I created separate and apart from God that I have food on my table or that I'm okay. So I think, well, you know, my survival depends on this false sense of self. And so I suffer some more and suffer some more. But where I'm asking you to go, Hans, is what if that's all a bunch of malarkey? What if the food on my table and everything has been sourced by a grace that is so much deeper than any mind made self? So those are my Thoughts. Any feedback, anything you want to say to that, Hans? And then we'll 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 put all of this in prayer. <laughs> your Your audio isn't clear right now, so i I'm oh. not really hearing you there I'm there it sounds better
2: okay to to pray for allowing my mind to rest more yes. and being less in the center stage and allowing my heart to be more right beautiful. This is the drift I'm getting,
0: yes, beautiful. So I'm I'm so grateful, Hans. As I turn within to pray now for that, let it, the prayer is to let the mind rest. You know, I'm I'm stunned by that prayer request. It's 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 just such a beautiful prayer request. It's so direct, isn't it? And so as we are here together placing our attention and remember our attention, our awareness is, I use those words as synonymous with love. So we're placing our attention, our awareness on Hans. In essence, we're letting ourselves love Hans. We're letting ourselves love him and meet him in this prayer request. And we're affirming ease and grace in this allowing, allowing the mind to rest. Rupert Spira speaks of the mind sinks into the heart. A lot of times we think we have to kill the ego, and it can feel like a death. And yet, really, it's a coming home, a sinking a resting, a surrendering i bless hans in this instant of holiness of eternality with broadening and expanding willingness the broadening and expanding willingness to let go to live in the let go to be more awake and aware to what is he seeing around him? What is he tasting? What is he smelling? What is he hearing? That he might live in the immediacy of his life, so much so that the mind rests. Perhaps many of us have heard the saying, thinking is overrated. Just letting the mind rest and be awake to the senses that sense the wholeness, the beauty, the love, and the peace of now. I bless Hans in, as Rupert Spira said, taking refuge in the now. Resting the mind in the eternal now. As I speak this word for Hans, I welcome this same prayer for myself and you, that we might truly let go, surrender, and, and sense through our heart's presence, through our through the very senses. It's really touch the table, see the flowers, be like a child to enter the kingdom. So I I accept this as I do for Hans, for each and every one of us, you know, and for our human family, for our beautiful, beautiful human family. You know, who among us have not lost our way in resting in the heart, forgotten it's even a possibility? So I accept that this prayer that we unite in is powerful by. Beyond any measure, and something magnificent is happening as we allow and let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, Hans. You know, I find today as I speak, I'm speaking slow <clears throat> and deliberately. And I hope you realize that those spaces are are to be there for us to drop in more fully and completely. Hello,
1: Zara. Good morning, Angela. It's so nice to be together.
0: Yes. So good to be with you.
1: Where are you? I'm in in BC, in Canada, in Vancouver. That's right. Beautiful. What is your request? so my request today is a prayer to be at peace once and for all with my body this last weekend i just struggled and tossed and turned and was so frustrated and at the same time trying really hard to say no i you know i am good enough and i do deserve and So it's that I want to once and for all break away from that patterning of this is not enough and this is too much and this is not right and, you know, am I this or what about that? And it's, it's imprisoned me for so long that this weekend, it's like I saw that decision point of, am I again going to eliminate myself from these amazing opportunities and possibilities because I deem myself unworthy or am I actually gonna say regardless of and despite I am good enough and I am worthy and it's a lot to do with me and my body and I, I am just longing for that acceptance, that peace, that reverence, that gratitude for having this body as a vehicle and so that's my request.
0: Wow, that's another incredibly powerful prayer request. Thank you so much, Zara. You know, and as you speak this prayer request, I say, you know, for you and me and, and almost every woman I know, you know, uh, I mean, you are talking about body image, right? Yes. You know, thinking you should look different and thinking there's a better way for your body to look, correct? correct. And it's like when you talk about eliminating yourself from opportunities, are you talking about not going to certain places or things or because you think you don't look good
1: enough? Yeah. And, you know, I'm in a new relationship. And so a lot of this comes up for me, you know, that, um, I guess, is it an insecurity or, a, you know, it's like, just not feeling like I'm going to look good enough. And yes. and it's wanting to kind of crawl back in and turtle in and just say, you know what, it's better just to close the blinds, close the door, stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. Those pajamas feel good, don't they? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweetheart. Yes. Yes. This is a powerful prayer request. I was uh, listening to Elizabeth Gilbert. She's the woman who wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love, and a bunch of other books, Magic, and, and, uh, you know, she recently cut her hair very short, and then planned to buzz cut her hair, and she did. And, you know, she talked about the money she has spent on her hair, to try to get her hair to look different than it is, the money she spent on, you know, Botox and Sculpta. And I was surprised to hear that. I think of her as so natural, but just, you know, you know, just trying to alter her appearance. And she said she, she had had this dream of buzz cutting her hair for a long, long, long time. And she says it feels amazing. And she did it in protest of the female beauty standards that she'd imprisoned herself in for so long and I'm not suggesting that you buzz cut your hair at all uh, Zara but I'm just saying wow for you to be one woman who breaks free of this uh, you know you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for all others and if you were only doing it for yourself you know That is wonderful. So, you know, what we're seeking to heal here, I like to use the word lookism. You know, lookism. You know, I went to a party yesterday and I didn't know what I was gonna wear. They said, wear your favorite color. And I I found this outfit that I've had for a good 10 years. And I, uh, you know, decided like, well, it actually looks pretty good still. I'll wear it and it has a beautiful color shirt. And I was thrilled that I fit into the pants, (laughs) you know, it was lookism. Do you see what I mean? And if I hadn't fit into the pants, I would have been like down, you know, and that's where my idea of shrinking myself in some way is a win. You know, it's very, um, distorted and I'm one of many people, right? Um, Uh, with this lookism and so interesting lookism you know is of the mind you know what we're healing here Zara through prayer and I love your prayer request listen to how bold you are I think you said and and correct me if I'm wrong and do give me the right words that you or the exact words that you said I think you said I think you said Be at peace once and for all with my body.
1: Yes, that's
0: exactly it. Yeah. Be at peace once and for all with my body. That is a spiritual warrior thing. And and man, what does it take to be at peace once and for all with your body? Number one, it takes self-forgiveness and the forgiveness it takes is to forgive yourself for being wrong that you've been wrong I've been wrong in believing what my mind would tell me that there's a way to look and not a way to look there's some kind of ranking of looking good or not looking good you know we, we have to forgive ourselves for buying in to that You know imprisonment that's number one number two you know it requires deep humility you are beauty Zara your beauty from head to toes your beauty in every bit of your from your hair to your fingernails to your toenails you are made out of beauty, and anything you see other than that is your confusion. Anything I see other than that is my confusion. When I rank getting into those pants versus not getting into those pants, that is my confusion. And that thrill is very temporary, and it will only be matched with the opposite experience. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow or the next day, or maybe it happened the day before. But when we hang out in that good, bad, right, wrong, should, shouldn't, it always balances itself out. What comes up must come down. It's no way to live, (laughs) right? And so it requires humility that you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're seeing about beauty. It's like, I see through the glass dimly You've got to admit that to yourself. So self-forgiveness, humility, and then number three is bold. Be bold, baby. Baby, be bold. That is, and that's what I hear in that prayer request. I am singing the body electric. I am celebrating this beauty. Even if my imagined finite mind is, 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 is repulsed saying it's repulsed you've you've got to accept that is the confusion that is confusion that criticism is confusion and it takes over and over the humility to realize I'm not seeing clearly I'm not seeing clearly I'm not seeing clearly I'm gonna step out boldly In the beauty that I am, I'm going to celebrate the beauty of others in their bodies just the way they are, just the way I am. No matter what uh, cultural confusion that has conditioned the thought patterns that would have me make choices that go against my own happiness. So I'd love to hear your feedback to what I'm saying regarding the forgiveness, the humility, and boldness.
1: Yeah, I think that's a perfect recipe, actually. It makes a lot of sense um, because I've been really hard on myself and critical and harsh. And, and, um, and that feels like it hasn't been fair Been unfair to myself, and and absolutely, there's a humility and a grace in willing to be beautiful, um, and and a boldness at the same time. So I think it's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I I wonder if you've ever noticed this, Sarah. And I don't know if
0: this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me, but I've had on occasion, like, felt beautiful. And then I've looked in the mirror and thought, why was I ever
1: feeling good? (laughs)
0: But I, you know, I looked and then I, I lost it. Has that ever happened to you or anyone here? Yes. I see some head
1: shaking. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that's, we're believing what our mind is telling us when we look in the mirror. But before then, we were just in our essence, in our God-given right to be beautiful. It's not measured by lookism. You know, your beauty is ageless. It's birthless. It's deathless. It can't be measured. It can't be weighed. It can't be assessed. It can't be criticized. So I just pray. I'm I'm excited to pray for you with this, Zara, because I, I, uh, I really want this for you, and I want you to enjoy this. New relationship and I want you to enjoy every aspect of your body and I really I'm excited about this idea of borrowing from Elizabeth Gilbert's protest you may not shave your head but you know reject with her those outdated ideas that would restrict our radiance or our awareness of our radiance. So beautiful. So let us, let us pray. It's been written, ask and ye shall receive. It's been written in the Course in Miracles. The problem is not that you ask for too much. The problem is that you include too in, you include, you include God in too little. I'm thinking of another quote. I don't remember where it comes from, but it's something like, it's as easy for God to create a castle as it is a buttonhole. So it may seem like, well, how can we pray for Zara to have to be at peace once and for all with her body? Like, you know, immediately the mind wants to futurize. Oh, does that mean we're responsible for every moment that comes out after that? And we've got to declare perfect peace beyond human understanding. No, we don't even imagine future. We don't imagine past. We truly just know what is. That peace beyond human understanding is Zara's nature. That... She couldn't have asked for this prayer request if it weren't already done, if she didn't already have a felt sense of this possibility made manifest and realized. So all we do in praying for Zara is we're present to the infinite self-forgiveness of her being. We are present to humility that knows no end, and we're present to to the spirit of boldness that never sleeps that is God as Zara this is what I see this is what I accept this is what I rejoice in I let it be and so it is amen amen Amen. ah so I'm so grateful for this episode of prayer on the air If you did not get called on, please come next week. And for everyone listening to the recording, if you want to come live, angelamontano.com is the website. And you just give me your name and your email address and come to the Prayer on the Air episode live. This is free of charge. Uh, The power of prayer is upon you and upon me Happy Thanksgiving uh, to everyone, and uh, just great love for for those of you in the U.S. It's a Thanksgiving holiday this coming Thursday, and just blessings in gratitude for everyone else, everywhere else. So let us let us close. I accept that there is a mystical uh, movement of God that happens in every prayer request and it's been very clear in this one to me that we're all opening to a resting of the mind in the heart really Zara's prayer request and Hans in essence is really the same request to let go of the assumptions the thought forms that we would believe that would convince us to be separate from the love and instead to look and see there's only one life here And that life is love. I bless everyone right here, right now. You, me, and all of us in happiness. I see that you are, I am, we are happy. The happiness is there. It's just often overlaid, isn't it? It's just overlaid with a bunch of beliefs that would obscure our true happiness. And then we think we have to go out and find that happiness. Meanwhile, it's here and it's now. So I just... Bless each of one of us in discovering, ah, right here, right now is happiness. Not once I get this thing or after I get that thing or once I get rid of this thing or after that thing. Just here now happiness is, radiant happiness. I let it be and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Blessings. Feel free to unmute yourself if you want to just say blessings or have a beautiful week.
2: Thank you all.
1: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Many blessings. Thank you.
2: May be free from suffering.
0: Yes. Thank you, (laughs) Eileen.